Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today on the line is acclaimed singer and songwriter Rihanna Nell, who is also a coach on the reality show The Voice, which seeks out new musical talent and a mum to three boys. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to host you. To begin with, you were born in Vintuk, Namibia. You moved across to South Africa to begin your musical career, sing in both Afrikaans and English, and have accumulated several awards, a couple of Samas included into the mix. Please tell us what led you on to this journey. You know what? I always joke about it. I feel like Jonah. <laughs> um, initially, I I did music just because I love it, and I just you know I I would sit and play my piano in our house. Our house is like as long as a train, so my folks would be watching TV in the one room, and I would close all the doors in the in the hall um, and the passageway, and then I would in the front of the house sit by my piano while the sun is setting, and uh, I think Igoli was still showing on TV. <laughs> And then um, I would be playing playing my piano and just enjoying it. And, and when I got to matric, I had this opportunity to uh, compete in a competition. And honestly, I competed because I would get a free trip to Joburg and then I could go visit my sister. <laughs> there was a songwriting competition called Crescendo. And um, I did that three years in a row because I got this free holiday every year. And I remember still sitting on the carpet in Johannesburg in my sister's house crying because I wanted to go to uh, America. I wanted to go chase tornadoes or do something. You know, I was, I'm quite crazy about America. And now um, by winning this prize, I had to record an album and I had to sing and I was devastated because <laughs> um, I wanted to go to America and that uh, kind of forced me to stay. Um, but you know what? Uh, that's why I'm saying I'm a little bit like Jonah because God really took me by the collar, you know. Come on, you know, this is what I've got for you. But I also uh, must admit that I was totally willing to do that. And uh, it was God's amazing grace in my life that brought me to the music industry um, at such an early age. And if I'm not mistaken, your sister is also a musician. That's right, yeah. Um, we differ 10 years. Nia Nell uh, is my older sister, and uh, we differ 10 years, exactly. And uh, she's been in the music industry way longer than I have. Um, so I guess, in a way, my mom didn't really encourage me to be a singer because um, my sister had been doing it for 10 years, you know, by the time that I got to matric. And um, funny enough, we both actually, you know, became more well-known when I made my first album, and that same year, my sister recorded her very famous song, Who Painted the Moon Black, and then things took off for her. But before that, my mom really just thought, oh, no, I don't want another daughter singing in hotels and bars. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about some of the landmarks in your career, because you, you've been in the business for some time now. Yeah, can you believe it? It's 20 years, eh? Wow. <laughs> that is yeah. some time. Yeah, yeah, I was 19 when I when I got out of um, you know when I left school and uh, that December I I travelled to Pretoria and I did backing vocalist for a singer with the name uh, Louis Bretz. He was a very acclaimed gospel singer and my first three albums were gospel um, albums. 
And I remember it was, um, you know, when you when you think about landmarks, um, you know, winning prizes and awards. That's, that's I think the biggest one for me was winning a, a Salma for best selling album of the year. Um, you know, I, I stood there at the Salmas just looking around, not knowing, absolutely knowing that nobody there knew who I was. <laughs> and I walked on stage um, for this prize, and the only thing that could come out of my mouth was, oh, it's well with my soul. And I started singing, it is well with my soul. And it was so awesome because the whole auditorium of 5,000 people started singing with me. And I was just like, oh, Lord Jesus, this is amazing. And um, I think um, if I look back at my career, it's been such a, a journey of character building and learning um, about myself. And I think if if anything, I just try to be really honest in my songs and um, being real in that. And if you look back at it, you can see my growth in, in my songs and my albums as well. Um, yeah, the voice was obviously a, a great highlight for me as well. Um, it was a big live lesson, I must admit. Um, for us being on, on radio and, and hearing our voices, you know, we've gotten used to that. But um, when I had to be on camera, <laughs> that was a whole different ball game. You know, you you were faced with who you are and your mannerisms and how you look and how, you know, how skinny you are, how not skinny you are. And it was like a big battle, but it was an awesome lesson for me to learn. Talking a little bit on the voice, as we said in the introduction, you're you're a coach and the voice is all about blind auditions. And one of the things that I've found a lot on, on doing this program and hearing the the work that women do is sometimes, sometimes, a lot of the times we tend to be discriminated against on qualifications. And there was a, a, a famous study where on someone's CV, it was an identical CV and in one instance, the person was called Harriet, and in another instance, the person was called Harry. And in the Harry CV, he always stood out as being the better person, the more qualified than than the Harriet, although it was an identical CV. And when I think about the voice, obviously, you can hear distinctions between male and female voices, but effectively, it is a blind audition. Wow. Not always, I must admit. Uh, Tell us some of your experiences on the show. Um, yeah, well, there was a couple of times that we turned around and we were like, oh, what? <laughs> it was quite a shocker. And there were ladies with voices as deep as men and then men with voices as high as ladies. And it was incredible. Um, you know, so, yeah, it definitely taught me not to not to ever uh, judge the book by its cover. Um, fascinatingly enough in my life, you know, I've always Like something I also said on The Voice, in my life I've learned that um, I know there's discrimination and things like that going on in life. Um, My dad always says, Rihanna, you be very happy for everything that's taken away from you. Um, God is either protecting you from something or he's, (laughs) you know, it's a lesson that you learn, always shaping your character or whatever. But he said, just be thankful for what's taken off of your path, whether it's a boyfriend or a job opportunity or whatever, you know, God always has a bigger picture in things. And so I kind of, you know, taught myself this little habit of, of just praising God every every time that I lose something, you know, whether it's my car sponsorship or whether it's, you know, a, a role in, in something that I wanted or uh, I just, you know, I immediately I just go, Lord, thank you for taking this away. I know that you know the path ahead, you know, 
since I can remember being 19 and stepping on stages singing and it comes with a kind of a credibility. It's almost like people listen to you when you're on the stage, um, no matter how old you are, but because you're on the stage, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing. And I, I just remembered how he has always just made a way for me. It's such a different way of thinking. Often we, we kind of hold on to things that, you know, we, we're so scared of, of letting things go. And, and here you're saying it, it's about paving your, your pathway and, and letting life roll out. And I think what was so interesting is when you said that your dad had spoken about being happy for everything that's taken away from you. I look at it and then I think, you know what, it makes sense to my heart. Because offense will kill you, and um, and and being being um, so sad about something, or or you know, just really wanting something so terribly and not having it, that hope defers. You know, that makes your heart grow sick. Um, and I didn't want to have a sick heart. You know, mm. I wanted to have a happy heart. And and it's just been so amazing because it it made me so free. And music is, is certainly your, your talent. It, it's your, your space. What influences your songwriting? And do you feel that there's a story behind every song that you, you tell? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, oh, you know what? I'm one of those people who can see... I see things in everything. Like, I can, I can look at people, oh, and I just... I love them. <laughs> I think it's funny, but I do. And every song that I write, whether it's for someone in the public or someone in this, in the music industry, or for myself, um, songs are a, an incredible weapon. It's it's you know that song that says my song is my my it's my melody. It's my weapon is my melody, and it's so true. I also use music to to just um, oh, you know lighten my own heart. I think many times I've been sad and, and music has just enlightened my spirit, you know. Um, and and I think if music is, if you listen to music, I don't know, sometimes I turn the radio on and then I get I get angry at what I'm listening at because it, it's almost like it upsets me. And then other times I put a radio on and I listen to a song and it changes my whole view and perspective on things. Um, and it's, it's, I think some, most of the time, it's also even just the, the attitude behind the song. And I have chosen as an artist to have a, a, a attitude of positivity and realness. You know, I'm still real in my songs and I'll still sing about the breakup or I'll still sing about feeling down and whatever. But I always try to choose to bring it to a place where it doesn't leave someone feeling worse, if you understand what I'm saying. I want people to, you know, like feel, hey, listen, I can do this. I can get through this. I'm not alone in this. Um, so that's what I try to achieve with my music. And on that, you've got this incredible platform that you you, you have to use responsibility responsibly because you are an influencer. People do listen to you. And like you said, even if it is incidental, when you're hearing a track on, on the radio, it, it still has an impact on a tremendous number of people. I think the problem is we don't really grasp the impact that we do have. Um, so often I'd go about thinking, Ugh, you know what, nobody pays attention anyway. Um, and, and that's just, it's, it's not entirely true. But even if you reach one person, you know, how are you affecting this person? 
for me as an influencer, I must admit that that if you don't um, realize the responsibility of your platform, um, I think it's a it's a worrying 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 thing for me. I want to equip people. I want to encourage people. I want them to embrace life and enjoy life. I want to give them handles on how to do that. I want them to see the beauty in in today. You know, um, I want to to help mothers be better mothers. I want to um, make music that will make husband and wife fall in love with each other again. And and songs that dad can play for their children and mom can play for their daughters and, and just unite relationships again, you know. If we're breaking things, what are we doing with our life? If we are building one another, then I think we are having a victory. And we can lay our head down one day and say, you know what, well done. I think I've done everything I can to build people and not to break them apart. And thinking about the building people dynamic and linking it in with your talents in our conversation offline you mentioned that you have been very busy in the last seven weeks writing over a hundred songs for people. Please tell us more. <laughs> yes, um, yeah, um, I've always done this at my shows, um, and then when lockdown happened and all our shows were cancelled or moved, um, I, I had to find a way to to kind of uh, get some so, sort of income, but. There was also an underlying thing that, you know, you were thinking, I can I can maybe write these songs. So I put up an ad saying I'd write songs for the public, um, even though I was already busy writing songs for, for you know, well-known people in the music industry and, and upcoming artists. But this was a different kind of songwriting. It was for people who can't sing at all, and it was for them as a gift um, for their husbands or their wives or their children or whichever situation. And I didn't expect the the response that I got, but it was so so lovely to see people wanting this. And I've spent the last seven weeks writing 106 songs for people um, that I've never met and people who will never be famous, you know, and just for them, just for the one person. And it's brought a whole new meaning to to um, singing for the audience of one, you know, you kind of, it was just for them, just to bless them. And oh, I've enjoyed it so much. I've written songs for people who are expecting IVF babies. Um, I have so- I've written songs for people who are struggling to get their marriage to work. Um, people who are, have lost parents, um, parents who have lost their kids. Uh, I've written songs for anniversaries and birthdays for nine-year-old girls. And I've even written a song for a two-year-old girl who had an accident and, and unfortunately lost her little eye. And uh, her mom just wanted a song so that her little girl could be encouraged that she is beautiful and she will always be beautiful. And you know what? That just brought so much more meaning to my life. I think we as celebrities um, spend so much time initially starting to build this career, thinking, you know, how the more people we have at our shows and the more, um, you know, famous we are, the more followers followers we have on Instagram, that kind of equals success. And it's a lie. It's a total lie. I think half of the people that follow us on Instagram don't even like us. <laughs> and half of them don't even know us <laughs> or what we sing or what we do. It's a it's a very fickle in, uh, place. But if you think about reaching one person and making a difference in that one person's life, uh, that blesses my heart. Um, and as I'm speaking, I sound awfully like like I, I've got it all together and I just want to mention that I really don't. 
I think I'm more of a wreck than most people, and and that's probably why I had to put certain things in place in my life to to really awake my spirit, you know, to really you know get me to smile every day, you know, because I'm a typical artist and a typical woman with all my mood swings and my creative uh, <laughs> creativeness. But it's all about being in, in touch with your emotions and being able to tap into other people to tell their stories. I think that these 106 songs must be an incredible gift to all of the individuals that you've crafted them for. And it speaks to creativity beyond just writing the songs. But I, I feel of, you know, in this environment that we're in with COVID-19, the economic impact has been absolutely devastating for most industries, especially the, the entertainment sector. And, you know, one of the, I guess, the, the natural reactions is trying to see how you can evolve and, and seek out new opportunities and, and livelihoods. Because like you said, can, shows have been cancelled or, or shows have been postponed. You you mentioned that you'd lost your car sponsorship. These are huge impact factors. Yeah, it is. Um, you sit there and, 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 and you can either, once again, you can take offence with the situation of all the things that you've lost and feel persecuted by it. Or you can see it as an opportunity and thank God. So here I go and I write songs for people and, and I decide, oh, I'm not even technologically so smart. So my husband had to help me. And I think many people out there have to upskill themselves in the whole computer thing. You know, and we've been doing Zoom shows for people in Hong Kong. And I've been writing songs for people in Texas. And I've even done workshops. And I know a lot of people have been doing webinars and things. And then you realize, hey, actually, there's so much more to me than than what I have been doing. Um Actually, there's there's other stuff that I can do, and I know there's people out there who have seen God's provision um, when their current provision has been taken mm. away. Stretching into different directions, and I I think that when you get out of your comfort zone in in any environment, that that allows these opportunities for growth. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing. Um, it's scary. It was of scary course. for me in the beginning. I was like, what if they reject me? What if they don't want my songs? What if they don't like my songs? What if it's not good enough? Well, you know, I had all of those emotions and I had all the hormones of having just having a, had a baby. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> and then, um, you know, you step out onto the water. And I always wondered why, why did um, Jesus say to Peter, Step out of the boat, you know, your comfort zone, you know, come, come step out of the boat, walk on the water with me. And I wonder why the heck did Peter, you know, do that? Why did he get out of the boat? And why didn't the other disciples get out of the boat? You know, why did he get out of the boat? And, um, and then it's just dawned on me and it's, you know what, because it was his time. And, um, and it was so, and, and I think if, if you're listening and you're a listener listening, you would know it. Your heart would be burning in your chest, and you'd be, you know, yeah, that's my time. It's my time now to get out of the boat, to to find the new things, to innovate myself, to upskill myself, to make it, you know, to make most of who I am. Um, last night I had a conversation with a friend. She's like 15 years older than I am, and um, I said to her, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta pass on those pearls of advice to me now. Um, what would you say to me as a younger?" as a younger woman, you know, what, what are the things that you would have done differently or 
the challenges you would have taken on, you know. I think in this time we need to learn from our mothers and our, our friends, you know, that are older and they, they need to give us advice to not make the same mistakes that they've made. And and she said, you know what, I would have taken myself a lot less serious. I would have enjoyed life and be thankful for everything. And she, you know, I was asking advice from everything from Botox till how what, do we, what would you do different in your marriage? And, you know, <laughs> would you do this? Would you do that? And uh, it was so crazy cool. But the one thing, you know, she mentioned is just be the best self that you can be now. Don't wait. Don't don't wait for tomorrow or one day my life is going to change or one day I'm going to make an impact in people's lives. We can do it today. Maybe today is our last day. Uh, maybe today is the, the day that you, you see the sun for the last time and you see your family for the last time. What would you do today? Um, you know, will you still hold that grudge against someone else? Will you still be angry at your sister or your mother or your father or your brother? Or would you make it right? And, and, you know, for me, would you still be uncertain in your heart about what's going to happen after this? Because everything in life goes about two things. Two things in my life has been standing out for me. The one is um, why. Why do I do anything? And the other other thing is managing expectations. <laughs> expectations of self or others? Because that's... That's often where we find us in this juxtaposition of being pulled between our beliefs and what we think we're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and also just I expect so much of everyone and I expect so much of myself and I expect so much of God. (laughs) And I think everyone expects so much of me. And and managing all of these expectations is what frees me. Because, um, Mm. like, for instance, my husband wants to go on a hunting trip and... um, and that means he's going to leave me at home with three kids and a newborn baby <laughs> for the whole weekend. And I'm like thinking, my expectation of him is, how how the heck can you do this? <laughs> you know, and 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 I, and then I, I can manage this expectation um, of 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 just releasing him, and I'm going to, you know, and not expecting him to be there twenty four seven. That I'm gonna I'm gonna. I'm going to take my own expectations here and I'm going to resolve them. I'm going to make a plan because that's what we ladies do. We're good at that. We can manage things. We can multitask like anything. You know, we can we can work it out. But initially we're upset because we expected him to do this and this and this. And um, so, yeah, that's the truest thing in my life is just managing all of these expectations because if I don't manage them, I will feel incredibly disappointed. Disappointed in God, disappointed in myself, disappointment uh, for the public and how they treat me or how I treat them or what they don't, you know, because they don't follow me or they, you know, comment um, bad things on my Instagram or whatever. All of these expectations, mm. I need to manage them and bring them to back to the why. Why do I post this? Why do I sing this song? Why do I um, love this man? You know, why do I dress a certain way? Why do I eat this cake? (laughs) And there's a big difference between controlling and managing. And I think often we we try to have the the controlling viewpoint. And that's when things tend to go wrong, because you're trying to control every element of the scenario. Whereas if you're managing a situation, you take into account the different nuances. 
That's exactly right. So how you will ask me, Rihanna, how do you manage, you know, your expectations? Um, for me, it comes down to um, it comes down to surrendering and submitting to a higher a higher will. And for me, that's Jesus and God's will. Um, if I really believe that God is good to me and loving towards me, and He is uh, all knowing and He sees all things and He plans all things and I really believe that, and I believe that he's got my best interest on his heart, then it's easy for me to surrender this will of mine to him. And um, so I don't pray anything else except, Lord, let your will be done. So when my husband says he's going to go on a hunting trip, I'm like, Lord, let your will be done. <laughs> Rihanna, one of the questions that I want to ask you, because you're you're very in, in touch from a spiritual point of view, you're in touch as, as a woman with your, your children, nurturing. We are a gender-based program, and one of the issues, well, one of the things that we do is we, we look at issues that affect women, especially young women. And there's been a number of different social movements like Me Too, Time's Up, publicizing this terrible sexual harassment and, and gender-based violence that many women succumb to. What do you think about these types of campaigns to, to try to change the current status quo? Um you know, for me, um, I work very closely with a friend of mine, Jakob Boyens. Um, we are working on the whole sex, sex trafficking, like um, um, camp- uh, campaigning against sex trafficking. And um, that's something I carry really heavily on my heart. It devastates me. Every time I hear about it or think about it or see what's happening, it just rips me apart. Um, you know what? There's incredible handles on these things, but... You know, just awareness is a very powerful thing. Uh, we need to be very aware of, of things and aware of things that are happening. But I see terrible things happening all day long. And um, many of those things can be prevented by awareness. Um, so I think there is immense power in movements like that and creating awareness. But there's a fine line sometimes when it also crosses to to go to other type of agendas, which is unnecessary. Um, So I think always to remain of why we are doing things, you know, instead of just creating a hype or sometimes movements can be much more powerful when we just focus really on on the problem at hand and giving people practical handles on that. Um, We need to be wise as women. Um, Also, we also need to take... Um, a responsibility in in our actions and then we need to make people aware and then for men oh gosh I think the biggest thing we can do is pray and if you think that your prayer just withers off into the wind you know then then you're making a mistake I hope that that belief and sentiment uh, transmits and carries across a broader public um, so that we, we can start righting these these wrongs which are, are, are just so terrible I mean I mean I mean if you think about it um, they, it says that against these good things there are no law you know about uh, joy and peace and, and long suffering and all those fruit of the spirit there's no law against it oh man you know if I I'm just so grateful God saved me when he did because it, it gives my heart so much peace and it gives me such joy. And I know that there will be suffering and I see suffering every day. 
I see it. I, I, I bleed and I cry. I sing these songs for these people, 106 songs. You know what? And most of them were heartache. It was desperate people crying out for an answer. It was hope. They wanted hope. And you know what? I have the hope in my heart and I want to share it with people so badly. We've spoken about the unpleasantness in this world and the devastating effects that that it has on women and then the the ripple effects that it then has on on their families. Mm -hmm. Turning towards more of a a positive and lighter note, Mm -hmm. which women would you say have been role models or or influences in your life? Oh, wow. You know what? It's so incredible. You walk walk every day you meet people I think <laughs> I've met so many people and and um, ladies in my life that has been um, mothers to me and friends to me sisters to me uh, I lost my mom um, about eight years ago and you know nothing can replace a mother but but um, I have had the privilege of having so many women in my life just building me with little little pieces of advice or bringing me a meal or just holding me while I'm crying. Or I remember I have this um, this Gogo mom. She lives in Mamalodi, and uh, we used to work together at church. And every lunchtime we would sit outside praying. And I remember Anna never once prayed for herself, and I wondered why, because <laughs> I was always just praying for myself. I was like, Lord, I need this, and I want this. <laughs> Help me with this. <laughs> And then it was Anna's turn to pray, and she would just say, Lord, please, pray. I pray for my children, and I pray for this, and Lord, would you bless the, these people who gave me a work, and thank you. And I, I sat there, and you know what? We would hold hands, sitting on our bums outside on the grass, and um, it was the most incredible time for me with with my with my African mama. And um, I would sit in her home in Mamalodi, lying on her lap, when I was going through a heartache <laughs> and she would play with my hair and she would pray in a language I don't understand. And I just, I could understand her spirit. And I, I have never felt so like family to someone, um, you know, that God would give me a, a mother again. And I just want to honor Anna, you know, for her investment in my life and her love, um, regardless of my color or, you know, my attitude or anything. She's just always been so real and comforting to me. And um, we've been we've been a gift to one another. Um, and I, I have friends in Canada, uh, women in Canada, two women, especially Laurie and Laura. And um, I remember going, I would, I would get these anxiety attacks sometimes and I would, um, or I would be, you know, fearful. Or I remember this one time when I was going through a miscarriage and um, I, I was in the middle of the night. And, you know, who do you find in the middle of the night? Who's awake? Your friends that live in Canada. <laughs> so I would be on WhatsApp phoning my friends in Canada, and they would pray with me and, and just mother me, you know, when I didn't have a mom to phone myself. Um, and if I learned anything from these ladies, I, I mean, I want to be there to other ladies. You know, I don't want to be envious or comparing myself with other women. I want to blow wind into their sails and encourage them. And uh, I think when you've reached most of the things you can reach in your career, you have an option. You can either either train other people to to become as successful as you have been and even more, 
which I think is a very amazing attitude to have. But it doesn't mean you won't face the struggle of what if this person takes your place or what if they're better than you? You know, I think it's it's a choice that you have to make to say, you know what, I'd rather leave something behind of what I've learned. And I'm so grateful that these ladies did that. They they gave to me what they learned and they allowed me to be better than they are. They allowed me to go further than they have. And um, that's an awesome gift, mm. attitude for women to have. It's a legacy and a teaching attitude uh, and to quote you, to blow wind into their sails. Yep. Finally, as we come to the end of the show today, could you share a few words of inspiration for Youth Month that you'd like to pass on to girls and young women in the continent that are listening to the show? Oh, well, well we've been so honest in this interview already. Um, why stop now? Oh, gosh, I'm rather going to say it like this. If I had a girl, a little girl, and uh, she became a teenager or a young woman, what would I say to her? I would say, be careful of the relationships that you have in your life and how you handle them. Don't burn any bridges, but, but keep it as a precious stone in your hands, a precious jewel a gift given to you. Relationships are so precious. And when we're young and stupid, we handle them with less care. And we think, ah, you know, I'm not going to need this person one day. But you do. Life is funny. It goes around and around. And one day you'll sit in a position where you need those people. So always be be um, careful to, to bless other people, to uplift them, to honor them, to serve them, even if it's a cup of coffee, to to you know, kind of milk them for their advice and their wisdom <laughs> and and just uh, love them. I think relationships are is a precious thing and you must harness, harness them and, and, and cherish them. The other thing I want to say is please, for Christ's sake, for his sake, please keep your clothes on, on Instagram. Not because you're not pretty and not because it's, 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 um, a terrible thing when when you you show your beautiful curves that you worked hard for but because you don't know who's watching and i tell you we work with with these cases of people being kidnapped and sex trafficked and raped and i want to urge you please in the name of the lord please just keep your clothes on don't put sensual photos on instagram you can never take them off they don't belong to you anymore when you place them on there um, protect your body, protect your reputation. The name, your name, is the only thing you have, which is precious. Keep it, guard it. Um, don't, don't, don't throw it away. Um, watch what you say. Count every word. Um, let it be seasoned with salt and grace. Don't, don't say things that'll hurt other people or hurt yourself. Don't even talk badly about yourself, but love yourself. Um, and Instagram is fickle. You know, if you think about it, there's so many people on there that that are not godly men. And um, they look at you and all they see is a target. So please don't make yourself a, a target. But, but once again, go back to the why you do things and why you post anything on Instagram. I just want your life to be protected and, and guarded. Yeah, and, and, and don't give your heart to any, any man. <laughs> Let it be a wise wise man that that seeks after you and and treats you like gold Uh, i always say my husband 
is is amazing. He, if you were to open, he opens his hand and he he sh- shows me, he brags with me um, to other people. Um, when I achieve something or win a prize or something, he brags about it as if it's, it's his doing. Um, and I think that's precious. You know, if your if your husband is not insecure, and if he doesn't feel offended by your success. You know this guy knows who he is in Jesus. And when your husband knows who he is in Jesus Christ, he allows you to be who you should be in Christ. And that's a it's a beautiful recipe because that that gives you both the freedom to, to be who you were designed to be. But when you marry a man who is insecure and, and obsessive and jealous and all those those things, that's a bad sign. So I want to urge the ladies out there, if you are in a bad relationship where, where you are not being blessed or carried on on his hands or respected even for your body or your mind then be brave enough to walk out of that relationship heaven forbid he's hitting you or or hurting you if he is i pray that you would have the courage to walk away it's far better to be alone than be in be in a destructive relationship you are more worth than that such Practical words, really, from relationship point of view in general relationships, in romantic and partnership relationships, and importantly, looking at our new environment where we find ourselves in a digital world and being conscious of of what we put out because it can never be retracted. You do not know who is watching you, and predators are there. Oh, for sure. My husband and I have decided not to post our children and uh, never to post a location, never, um, you know, give away those little little things. Um, unfortunately, predators out there, they are very patient and they're very diligent and they do their homework and they, they will pursue things for a very long time and they're very convincing. Please don't make yourself subject to this. Um, please don't make yourself a target. Thank you for joining us today, for sharing your wisdom beyond just your professional attributes in the musical industry and entertainment industry, but in in terms of of life learnings and and deeper perspectives. It's been a pleasure having you on our show today. (laughs) So much for having me. I know I talked way a lot, (laughs) but uh, yeah, you know, uh, it was fun chatting to you. Thanks again for joining us. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective, and we have been talking to award-winning singer and songwriter Rihanna Nell.